The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. In episode 70, I introduced you to a clubhouse room on how to negotiate your way out of self-sabotage. In this episode, I'll be doing the same thing. I will be posting another two-hour or so recording of a room that was recorded on the 2nd of April, 2022. Again, you're going to get some of the great content that you received from the first podcast from Clubhouse, the wonderful moderators who are pouring their hearts, their information, and their souls into the people who come up on stage and ask for help or who share. We have a great moderators list, as you already know, and you've probably picked up a thing or two about what self-sabotage is and what you can do to defeat it. So much can be said about how we can take control of our lives. And all we need to do is we need to start taking action. We need to change our state of mind if it's a negative state of mind. Turn it into something positive. It's not enough to say, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. You've got to take the action. You've got to change your physiology. You've got to believe and you've got to want to achieve. There's so much that can be done. So listen into these podcasts. You're going to get a world of information from my wonderful, wonderful, loving moderators. I know you already love them. You're probably already starting to develop your, your favorites. And I know that you're going to get so much rich content from these podcasts. If you want to join our club, please join us on Saturdays. Be part of this growing community, people who want to help and serve others. Be part of our community. Join us on Saturdays. You don't have to come up on stage. You can just listen. Or you can tune into this podcast and hear the recordings. All right. So without any further... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There is something I want to talk about. I don't know if you have purchased your copy of Take Control of Your Life yet, or if you've gone and downloaded the Audible copy, but if you haven't, I highly encourage you to do so. Yes, it's my book, and yes, this is a little bit of a plug. I just want you to get a good book that will help you deal with self-sabotage, and I know that this is one of those books. So, make sure that you pick up your copy and tune in to this absolutely amazing broadcast. Hey, good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you? Fantastic. Good, good, and, good. Uh, uh, hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, good morning, bro. Good morning, King. And good morning hey. to those who are joining us. So we'll get started in just a couple of minutes. And today we'll be talking about negotiating our way out of self-sabotage. And uh, <laughs> like I was saying in the chat room there, man, I, I got about an hour's sleep last night. It was crazy. Uh, why is that, bro? Are you... Any idea? 
Uh, I couldn't shut the mind down. Just thinking about too many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. That's part of self-sabotage. You might be able to talk a little bit about that. So. Yeah, that might be good. That might be good. <laughs> yeah. So welcome, everybody. We're going to get started in just about a minute. A couple of our moderators aren't going to be able to join us, so it might be a short room, but uh, I'm, I'm going to get started in well, about a minute. We'll get started. And King, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastically. Um, I've, you know, put on a fresh pot of coffee here, so it definitely will help. It is, um, I, 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 I'd hate to actually measure how much coffee I have in a day, but, uh, so I'm just going to ignore it for now. But it's, it's just a warm glass of happiness, so that's all that matters. And, uh, and at least it's not snowing or doing anything weird today. It looks kind of sunny out there. I haven't been out there, no, but I'll enjoy it later. Yeah, you're right about that. And Robert, um, you're the coffee expert as well. The two of you should get together. Uh, you, you both love coffee that much. Well, I was about to say to King, King, never apologize for a cup of coffee, man. Never <laughs> awesome. I, I'm glad to hear that. Hey, maybe we'll do a coffee room at some point on uh, Clubhouse here. <laughs> that Actually, there are a number of them. You know what? Maybe I'll maybe, maybe I'll let you know next time when, when I get pulled into one. Yeah, Robert, you and uh, King could start a coffee uh, room. That would be fantastic. Yeah, you know that first coffee is religion, man. Oh uh, yeah, I I'd be completely lost without it. So I I I have always hypothesized that I have no discernible personality whatsoever without caffeine. So I'm not going to take that risk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on up, Lisa. All right, so, yeah. let's get started. And uh, so we're in the negotiator way out of self-sabotage room. And uh, what, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to make uh, Lisa a guest moderator today. And uh, since we uh, have very few people, we're just going to get started with introductions. I'll turn it over to King and King, maybe you could pass it on to Robert and we'll go to Lisa. Sure. Thanks, Paul. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name's King, and I'm a social media brand strategist, um, as well as a travel blogger. And uh, I've just really enjoyed my time here uh, helping Paul and all the and Robert and Lisa and all the other incredible moderators that join us to uh, try to help you all out uh, with any of the challenges you're facing about self-sabotage. And I'm just here to share whatever I can from my own life experiences, but mostly I'm just learning from everyone here um, as well. So um, with that, I'll hand things over to Robert. Thank you, King. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Robert Nadeau. I, uh, I'm uh, Paul's older brother. Uh, we're fond of saying that uh, he's, I'm the older one, he's the good looking one. Um, <laughs> this, this room was started by Paul uh, and uh, was inspired by his book, Take Control of Your Life. Uh, why am I here? I guess um, I'm here, first of all, to learn. I, 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 I learn from uh, our great moderators and from our guests and, and from, from the ordinary people that come in just to share, to ask questions, to explore. My background, a little bit about my background. Uh, my, uh, I did my undergrad in philosophy and majored in the, in the history of philosophy and science. Um, I am a lawyer by day um, and I am an entertainer by night. I'm a mentalist. Um, I won't bore you with those details. Um, but uh, the thing that I think that I might bring, the value that I might bring to this room is that I'm really a student of critical thinking. And so uh, I guess with that, I will turn it over to Lisa. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa. I'm a woman's empowerment coach in Toronto, and I'm here just with everybody else learning more about myself and learning methods on self-sabotage and helping other women take their emotions and turn them into power of leadership. And with that, I'll turn it back to Paul. All right. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. Yes, as I noted, you are in the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage uh, room, and this is under the umbrella of Take Control of Your Life. And we do have a club. That little green house is, uh, is the club, and if you'd like to, uh, to join, please do. And I see that Eleni has joined us, so I'm going to turn the microphone right over to Eleni for an introduction, and then I'll continue. Over to you, Eleni. Welcome. Hello there, Paul. Um, so I'm Eleni. I'm an artist, a painter from London, and I work with numerous charities, helping underprivileged children become a successor and get out of being a victim, as well as many other strings to my bow. So I'm just here to advise and help in any way to lift people's spirit. Oh, thank you so much. I'll uh, get started then. What uh, King and I started this room just over a year ago, and the idea came from many of my experiences as a hostage negotiator and also a detective in the Special Victims Unit. I realized that a lot of people handle uh, their adversities and setbacks in very different ways, It and much of it comes down to how we speak to ourselves. It's that inner narrative that uh, challenges us at times or that releases us. And as a hostage negotiator, I know that we can negotiate a, a truce. We can actually negotiate somebody out of a critical situation. And that's what this whole room was all designed to do, to help people negotiate their way out of that negative narrative and empower them to move forward despite whatever setbacks come their way. Now, the idea of sabotage, when you take a look at the word sabotage, what it means, it includes to deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct something. The key word there is the deliberate act, to destroy, damage, or obstruct something. Self-sabotage, that refers to behaviors or thought patterns that hold us back and prevent us from doing what we want to do. And if we take a look at it, that's a deliberate act as well because we have the power to move into something positive or to remain into something negative. That's a, a, a power that we have control over. I'm gonna give you some examples of what self-sabotage include. And as I give you these examples, imagine your own life to see whether or not you suffer from self-sabotaging thoughts. Here are a few. Blaming others when things go wrong, and that's not that's when we don't take responsibility for certain things that we may do. We just turn the finger, we blame uh, others when, when it doesn't go right for us. If a relationship doesn't go right, it's that person's fault. If a job doesn't go right, it's the boss's fault or the people you are working with. So blaming others when things go wrong, when you should actually examine your own behavior to see whether or not you had something to do with what went wrong. Not being accountable to yourself or to others. That's making promises, perhaps, that you don't uh, follow through on. And uh, even to yourself, if we imagine all the 
New Year's resolutions that we make. And, and we generally make New Year's resolutions uh, on things that we really don't want to do. And for some people, it may be losing weight. They really don't want they want to lose the weight, but they don't want to put the work that's necessary into it. And so they're not accountable to themselves because they'll let themselves go. And after one or two months, after January, February, uh, the resolution is gone and they're back to their old habits. So they're not accountable to themselves. Another one is choosing to walk away when things don't go right. Very similar to blaming others when things go wrong, but we choose to walk away and not deal with what needs to be dealt with. And if we don't deal with it, it's not going to go away. It's like an ostrich who puts uh, its head in the sand. Everything around it is still going to go on, but you are going to only temporarily uh, displace that for the moment. Procrastination is a big one, but also I want to stress that procrastination can actually be an indicator and not necessarily something that's bad. If, it's your, if you're procrastinating because you don't have the skills to do whatever it is that you need to get done, then your job is to find somebody who has the skills to help you through that. So that's not a self-sabotaging thing. It's just an indicator that maybe I have to turn to somebody. For example, if I'm dealing with something of a, something to do with law, I, I don't know much about it, but I will turn to my brother Robert, who does, and I'll say, hey, listen, I've, I've been dealing with this contract thing, which I have no idea about, and I've been procrastinating on it, but you have the skills. Could you help me out with this? So that's not procrastination in a bad way. It's just turning it over to somebody who has the skills. But if you procrastinate because you just don't get want to get it done, then that is a form of self-sabotage. Uh, feeling overwhelmed and I, I'm going to stress that feeling overwhelmed happens to most of us. And it's usually an indicator that we just have to take a couple of breaths and take it one step at a time. And perhaps we're just taking on too much at once. And in order to get rid of the self-sabotage, we need to take the pace a little bit slower. Picking fights with friends or partners for no apparent reason. And usually the reason behind that is that we are wanting to be seen and to be heard and if we don't communicate that if you don't communicate with your with your partner or your friends and you just pick fights just to be seen or heard that is a form of self-sabotage and it comes down to communication skills so uh, dating people that you know are not right for you going back to the same kind of toxic people that is a form of self-sabotage and usually it comes down to self-worth Maybe you don't believe that you are worthy of someone uh, who is your part or should be your partner. And we just kind of put people on a pedestal because we don't believe in ourselves. That's a form of self-sabotage. Here's a big one. Trouble stating our needs and desires. And this is, we've heard this in this room uh, from many, many people. A lot of people have trouble stating their needs and desires with family. You know, their parents tell them that they should become a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, and they dedicate their lives to pleasing their parents at the expense of their own pleasure. So that's a big one. Uh, trouble stating your needs and desires with friends. Uh, you don't want to do something that your friends are doing. And, and a lot of people, as a police officer, I've seen this happen over and over again where people were led into crime because they just didn't want to stop and say, hey, listen, that's not for me. I don't want to do that. So they, they would go along and they would uh, not express their 
desire not to participate in a particular act. Uh, it also um, comes to uh, head with, uh, with work. If there's something that's not going right at work, you don't say anything. You remain silent, and it continues to go on. And maybe this is going to con uh, cause some conflict between you, the boss, or other people uh, at work. So that's a big one. Um, here's, <laughs> this is one that really gets me. You have trouble stating your needs and desires in a romantic relationship, and uh, that shouldn't be the case. That's something that at the very beginning of a romantic relationship, you should be talking about what it is that you want, need, and desire to see if you're a good match. And this also applies to everyday interactions with people. So let's get into the habit of being confident enough to state our needs and desires with the people that matter to us. Another big one, the self-sabotage, is that voice, that negative narrative in our heads that tell us that we can't do anything right. You hear that voice that says, you know what, you just can't do anything right. Why, why should you even try? Or why does this always happen to me? It doesn't happen to anybody else. It only happens to me. My life sucks. Um, I won't make it, so why should I even try? If I try, I'm going to fail, so I'm not even going to give it an ounce of energy. I'm not going to try at all. Another one is when you feel lonely and you say, nobody loves me, you don't reach out to somebody, and that little voice tells you that you're not loved or that you're not worthy. Those are some examples of self-sabotage. So what this room is going to... Um, try to do is to help you through those self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. But I want to stress that we do have doctors that join us. We have some amazing moderators, but this is not therapy that we're dispensing in this room. This is simply um, advice given from our experiences, from our knowledge base, and it's a sharing room. So let's help each other just to get through the difficulties that we all face in life. And nobody, Nobody in this world uh, gets away with no self-sabotage. It happens to the best of the best or the most, uh, even the uh, motivational speakers are uh, attacked by self-sabotage from time to time. However, what differentiates them is that they know how to handle it. And they know, they recognize it, they become aware of it very quickly, and they get rid of it. And that's what we aim to help you here to do. And I see that I've been joined uh, by my good friend, Jean-Paul. I'm going to turn the microphone over to Jean-Paul before I continue. So over to Jean-Paul for an introduction. You there, Jean-Paul? Yes, I am. Hello, Paul King, Robert, Lisa, Leila, Tizi, and everyone who has joined us. I am Jean-Paul Sam from Paris, France, with the red background. I help you know, um, self-operating business owners reduce stress and overwhelm while increasing revenue. And definitely one of the topics that we cover is this notion of self-sabotage, you know, blocking ourselves and moving forward. I love these different ideas that you, Paul, have already put forward on self-sabotage. The one that I add that is a very strong one is the notion of comparison. Many of our self-sabotaging behaviors come out of our comparison that, uh, that we selected, that we put on a pedestal and say, they're so amazing, I'll never reach there, I'll never be there. When, when we allow ourselves to stop comparing ourselves and recognize that what they have, if I can see it, I have it too in my own way. 
we stop that comparison factor and at least it's one way to step out of self-sabotage and engage in our true self. So this is John Paul. I look forward to this beautiful conversation as always. Back to you, Paul. Thank you, John Paul. And that is a great one. Comparison, I'll be adding that one to the list for sure. And uh, another thing too is that sometimes we're not we're not prepared or ready or even willing to accept the good things that happen in our lives. So uh, Glenn uh, Morshauer, who joins us in this room uh, occasionally, will say that there, there's a difference between paranoia. Paranoia is the belief that the world is conspiring against you. And Glenn introduced us to the word pronoia which means uh, that we believe that the world is conspiring for us. And I think that we should all strive to do that. So in today's room, we're going to try to keep the shares to about three or four minutes. And that uh, includes uh, the people on stage as well as our moderators. And our first person to speak today is uh, Lila. And welcome, Lila. Hello, Paul. Hello, everyone. Uh, can you hear me well? Yes, we can. Lovely. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me in. Um, and I must say, uh, your room is absolutely uh, delightful, very helpful, with great positive vibes. I'm a psychologist, and uh, my work is to help people understand themselves. And all what you put forward today, Paul, is about really the journey of self-love, self-acceptance uh, through the other and back into the self. Uh, so I'm delighted to be here and as we go uh, to contribute more uh, if, if needed. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. But uh, what we do here is once you've spoken, we're going to send you back to the audience. Um, and if you want to speak again, please raise your hand. But um, thank you very much for joining us, Layla. And we're going to go over to Tay Z. Tay Z, welcome. And it's always a pleasure to have you. Oh, good morning. And thank you so much. Thank you all. You are great people. And I've been reading Paul's book, and I'm a great person, too. I'm going to see myself as a great person. So I started thinking about that. I had a couple of good, I had, like, probably one of the most difficult weeks in my life. But also, I was um, referring to your book, Paul, and listening to it in the cars I drove across town. And to say you drive across town in L.A. is, like, two hours. But So, uh Marion, my younger sister, sorry, I didn't mean to say her name, but my younger sister is um, in transition. And it's a really interesting point in her life and in my life as her conservator in that she now is a senior citizen. She now has a heart condition that she's living with. And so doctors had to reduce her medication when she came out of the hospital from the surgery that she had on her heart. They told me at the time it was she was down to 10% of the functioning of her heart. So just to, to back up before I go into that, because I really want to go into that. When I said I'm a great person, I have a trip coming up next week that I had planned to meet my friends in New York and to, uh, you know, 
Thursday night was planned for a tapas restaurant dinner and it was getting out and a concert on Friday night with my youngest sister who's a generation younger and it's it's looking like I really really need to stay in town because of my sister so I, I called airlines yesterday and I've set it up that I can cancel at the last minute they were so nice Alaska Airlines and it's all set up so if I need to say no I need to stay here I can if I can go possibly go I can and what's new about that is before in a crisis situation and this week was crisis because if they go into the hospital the sick ones then they come out of the hospital and they have to be placed and you have to try to make it so it's going to work and so it's successful. I know I'm going in different different directions. I'm going to tie it all together in, in a minute. But I started getting those pangs of, oh, you know, I'm never going to climb up the ladder to be like those guys. They're interesting. They're fun. They're engaging. And, and then I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I've been reading Paul's book. <laughs> It says, uh, don't compare yourself to other people and just, you are great. Be one of the great ones. You're, anyway, so I said to myself, this was just last night, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I remembered a time, I said, think back to a time in your life when you felt that greatness and you were ready to act on it. And one image that came to mind was me at, I think I was 19 I was, or 20, I was ready to go away to college. I had done two years at community. That's not true. It was, I was about 19. I was just going into college and there was focus from my mother on me. And I had this just, you know, feeling of, wow, just wonderful feeling because I was focused on by this mother who was dealing with so much and so in, unable to really divert attention to me. So there's um, it, there's that piece, but then I said, okay, I want to achieve that on my own. She's not here with us anymore, so I can I can st I'm still that same person. I'm still the same person who had that feeling, and I started going back to my life and what I'm doing. Okay, I'm gonna get to what I'm getting to. My sister comes out of the hospital on Monday. I pushed and pushed last week because it was not secure where she was going or this transitional stage between being a senior and lower medication and the baseline changing all is playing in all is new dealing with a social worker who at the beginning of the week I felt was like eight at the end of the week we had gained respect for each other because she pushed so hard and the insurance companies just want to get them out of there as quickly as possible my sister's placement is better served in an IMD, which is an upper-level care above lockdown nursing. She's tremendously ill. She got ill very young. So if you get sick when you're really young, you're less functional and you are, she is really sick. She came off her meds about three weeks ago and was just kicking and punching and um, got put in the hospital. So... Here I was all last week just really in high stress mode because the main nurse back at where she came from, which was a lockdown nursing facility, was saying this isn't the right placement for her. The nurse, the other two places I tried that he 
suggested that we're more secure, um, although they have the same title and they're supposed to be secure, they um, didn't have any beds. And that's usually the situation with mentally ill, are there not enough beds? And so families scramble. And I am so grateful that I have the task each year of, of re-getting, re-establishing the conservatorship with her because um, I do have certain rights that I can work with. Back to me, finally. So that's the, that's the framework we're working in. Here's the big yay. Before I get started, I just want to say that yesterday I went out to do my wash and I pushed the start button like I do every time. I push it with, with real intention of let's get this new washing machine started. And I think of that start button as a start button on my own life to live intentionally and to get a, a start in a direction that I want to go in because I'm just recently retired and I'm, I'm looking for my focus and really something that I'm so um, sure that I want to engage in for the next, whatever, 20, 30 years. So here I am. I'm in a high-stress week. I mean high stress the kind where you don't sleep. I was so stressed at one point I wake up with my hands shaking. I just, so there, there came to me because of our conversation last week, Paul, you said, um, you responded. It was to that washing machine. <laughs> button. So I got this new used washing machine off Craigslist and I, and I had trouble with the start button. And you said, you responded to it instead of reacted to it. And that was the phrase that I kept in my head all week. And I kept saying in moments of intense stress, I kept saying to myself, I am my first responder. Awesome. A first responder shows up when you need help. A first responder is there to manage and help in a crisis situation. And this is the big celebration. And it's going to seem like pennies to everybody else but to me it's just fantastic my um, renewal for my car at the DMV was going to expire on Thursday the 31st I mean it expired already but the sticker was going to be out of alignment so I said to myself in the middle of all this commotion I said okay I am going to get this done because I am my first responder which means I'm going to take care of business for me in the past I would have jettisoned my whole life and just attended to the crisis at hand. And I did one other thing, I did a lot of other things, but the other that I'll share it because I know I've gone on so long, is that I went to the county building on mental health at one point because I'm at this new transition point of a senior, of senior care for a mentally ill, severely mentally ill person. And I marched in and I said, I gotta see somebody. And the woman behind the counter, yeah. Is, but, is there a point here? Because uh, we'd like to help you with what you're uh, dealing okay. with. Okay. It's just that I, I, there is. It's, it's like I, landing the plane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. So I just went and got help for myself, which is brand new as well. And that's the point. And, um, yep. And, and thank you all. And I know that was on your thank well, you. No, no. Thank guys. you so much. And uh, uh, your sister, I'm... I'm I'm sorry to hear that she's not doing all that well. And your trip, what, you said that's at the end of the month? It's next week. 
next it's, week it's fly out wednesday to new york and then come back on the tuesday following but i need to know that my sister is in place and doing well and then there's also COVID. i can't get sick because i need to check in on her regularly so i can she's back at where she was but we have a plan in place that i established oh yeah i did go a long time no, anyway. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We're always here to support you, but uh, thank you. Uh, Lisa, did you want to say something? Yes, thank you so much. Hi, Tazy. There's a couple things I heard you say, and I'm, I'm so excited um, for you. First of all, congratulations in taking action to take care of your sister. I think that's really beautiful. And, and the fact that you're putting plans in place allows you to sit in the knowledge and comfort that there are things happening sort of behind the scenes and some comfort that you can take in those plans being set in place. So you don't have to concentrate on them all the time. Um, one thing I heard you describe was your experience at the wash with the washing machine and, you know, pressing that start button on the machine symbolizes to me the active steps that you're taking in your life. The fact that you pressed go on your own machine and went and to seek help for uh, some of the, the challenges that you're facing is absolutely commendable. And I just wanted to celebrate you for that. Congratulations. Thank you. I am my first responder. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, Tazy, and good luck uh, this week uh, with that. Uh, I hope it works out for you. And it would be nice if you got to travel and see your friends in New York. That's always nice. I was in New York uh, not too long ago, and it was uh, just a very pleasant uh, trip. Yeah, it's always inspiring. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Tazy. We're going to just move you back into the audience, but come on back up if you want to share some more. Now, since we don't have anybody on stage, please uh, raise your hand, come up. Uh, what I'm thinking of is that this is going to be a very short room, it sounds like, but maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, some of the some of the things that we do to deal with self-sabotage. And I'm just uh, wondering, uh, King, did you want to reset the room yeah. and then maybe we can, we can start? Yeah, uh, thanks, Paul. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a quick reset. And then I actually, I, I have a thought. Um... <clears throat> that uh, we could probably discuss after this. But uh, welcome and thank you to everyone who's joined us in the Negotiate Your Way LSL Sabotage Room. And of course, this room runs every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And as Paul mentioned already, anyone who wants uh, to share any thoughts about self-sabotage or if you have any questions about self-sabotage, raise up your hand and come on up on stage. And um, of course, if you aren't able to speak, the uh, room chat is on, so feel free to type your question in the room chat as well, and we'll get to it as best as we can. And anyone uh, who does want to come up on stage, uh, just make sure that you do have uh, a bio sort of filled out, because obviously we do want to keep this space as safe as we possibly can and make sure you're not a bot. And so make sure that you do include something in your bio, ideally uh, a link to a social media account as well, just so that we know that you are a real person and not just here to disrupt the room. And I think I do see a few party hats in the audience as well. And so just make sure that uh, when you do come up on stage, uh, keep in mind that your microphone is live. So just make sure you mute yourself until it is your turn to speak. And of course, if you know of anyone that might be interested in the topic of conversation or might be able to contribute, uh, make sure you ping them into the room uh, so that they won't um, miss all the amazing insight that's being shared here with us today. And finally, as well, 
um, as, as Paul mentioned, uh, you know, we do, uh, once you have shared, we do move you back in the audience, but that doesn't mean that you can't come back up and share if you have something additional to uh, add to the conversation as well. We just do that just to help us manage the stage. But of course, um, with the moderators, it's popcorn style, just jump in wherever you can. With the speakers, we do take you in uh, PTR order. So uh, just, uh, but we do promise that, you know, you come up, we will get to you. So uh, we do appreciate your patience in advance. And uh, also, um, finally, as you, you know, anyone that's been on Clubhouse for a little while, you do know that um, your time here on Clubhouse is so much of it is designed around the rooms that you go into and the people that you follow. So, you know, take a look in there, around in the room and, you know, read everyone's bios. If you see someone whose story resonates with yours, uh, give them a follow. Um, and obviously look around the people, not just the, you know, amazing people on stage, but you do, you know, I do recommend that you start there because the moderators up here are absolutely amazing. But look around in the, you know, in the room above you, beside you, below you. There's tons and tons of just uh, truly amazing people that uh, are here on Clubhouse. So make sure you take a look at uh, what they do here on Clubhouse and also take a look at their socials outside of Clubhouse as well and connect with them on Instagram, on uh, Twitter. That way, you know, for whatever reason, should Clubhouse, you know, not be here in a month's time, you don't lose contact with all the amazing people that you've met here on the platform. And of course, um, I do, you know, also, I do see some hands have already started raising, so that's great. I definitely recommend that you raise up your hand and uh, get up here sooner rather than later, even if you don't necessarily have your question fully formed or your thought fully formed, that's okay. You know, you'll, you'll have a little bit of time because there, there are already, you know, people on stage ahead of you, so you'll have some time to think about it. And, you know, once again, we can help you, you know, with any thoughts that you're having trouble sort of putting together. So definitely get yourself up here and um, share your thoughts as soon as you can. And uh, because we I, we do have another speaker, I'll hold my thought for later and I'll pass things back over to Paul. Okay, thank you, uh, King. Um, I can't wait to hear what you have to share. So uh, hello, Janetta. Nice to see you. Hey, Paul. Hello, everybody. I've had a three-month break from, from Clubhouse, so it, it's actually really rather nice to be back, and I'm, I'm glad to be part of today's uh, discussion, which I think is a brilliant one. Uh, I, I love your accountability uh, side to, to the self-sabotage, being able to see where you do and where and what to do about it. One of my big ones that I had to look at was that I take over accountability and be over responsible. So I'd marginalize other people's accountability and make mine the one that was the most serious. And when I got that insight, it nearly blew me away. And today I would love to share one of the things that I did with that um in that i think we we can get uh we can get to the point where we think that self-sabotage is something that should be avoided and that we shouldn't really have it in our lives that it doesn't serve and it would be best to not have self-sabotage at all and that was the sort of story I ran for a long time. Every time self-sabotage kicked into place, I would criticize that self-sabotage and believe that it, it was not good for me and should be eliminated. And when I was able to start listing where 
those moments of self-sabotage do come in because they're cyclical. They're part of life. They're part of who we are. And when they do come in, I now sit down because I can easily give the list of where the self-sabotage is not serving me. But when I can sit down and go, now, what is this self-sabotage giving me that if I was always upbeat and didn't have self-sabotage enter into my psyche would be missing. And then suddenly I find, well, not always so suddenly, but I do find once I start looking for the skills, the techniques, the experience, the exposure, uh, the insight that that self-sabotage is giving me, it blows me away and I then step into a place of open-hearted appreciation and I can now manage my self-sabotage from a place where it doesn't control me, I'm managing it and I understand its equal value to its disservice. Mm. So that's my part for today. Well, thank you, Janetta. Yeah, okay, so that might uh, stimulate some conversation. I, I, I'm a little bit confused. Are you saying that uh, the self-sabotage is welcomed for you? Or, or is it just that when you see it happening, you become aware of certain things that you have to work on? That I wasn't clear on, Janetta. I don't deliberately go out and say, now let's self-sabotage yourself, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand that when it does enter into my psyche, I understand its importance and value to the equal degree that it doesn't serve me. So it's not me going around saying, oh, it's okay to be in self-sabotage. There's a long list I can run quite easily of where it's not serving me. Good. But when I can run the equal list of where it's equally serving me, then I, I'm able to manage it from an open-hearted place. Okay, well, thank you for that clarification. Do any of the moderators have something to add to, uh, to that? I think the important key here is that once we become aware of the sabotaging thoughts uh, that do creep into our mind, it's a time to step back, take a deep breath, and then deal with whatever it is that sabotages us. Because the, the act of, of sabotage, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is to, uh, is to really deliberately destroy and damage something or obstruct something. And we can obstruct our, our thought patterns or our behavior and even damage uh, our, our behavior. So uh, any, uh, any comments on that, uh, Mods? Anybody? No? All righty. is uh, going to come up. I, maybe Taisy has something. That I she... have a comment. Yeah, go I, ahead. I think that um, when you're in a pickle, and um, by that I mean that self-sabotage mode, to step back like you just said, Paul, and, and become aware of yourself and reflect on where I am, I think that was... Jeanette, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you were saying is you become more self-aware of where you are and what you're doing, and then so you can take a breath and respond to it. I'm not sure that's what you were saying, but yeah, it's it's a huge step when you can step back and say, what's going on here? Uh, yes, certainly yeah. that, it, but it's it's one step deeper than that. It's being able to understand that there's service in that self-sabotage when it happens. So an example would be who has, in, in that place of self-sabotage, 
what skills or techniques does it push me to employ that I either find hone or use that I haven't used before? Who, is it, who does it push me to draw closer to and have uh, deeper conversations with? Um, what does it allow me or push me to do? It might, maybe it makes me reach out to a family member and go, okay, I have, I have this, this moment of, of self-doubt and I'm sabotaging myself and suddenly I'm having a conversation that would be missing if I hadn't had the self-sabotage. Gotcha. And, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm Yeah, thinking. okay. So in, in a way, I see what you're saying is that uh, it, it serves you to push yourself into doing something positive or having a positive uh, communication with somebody. All right, you know, I, I, I see how that can actually serve in some places. Um, all right, uh, I'm going to turn over to Lisa. Lisa, do you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation? Are you there, Lisa? Maybe she's. Not, I am. Yeah. yeah, I am. I want. What, what to, do you have to say about that? I would say that I I feel it's very self-serving when you can be self-aware of your own um, methods of self-sabotage. I also think that um, sort of that that play in and play out of feeding ourselves that information actually can bring us out of self-sabotage. And I really resonate with, uh, the way that some people, and I'm, I'm one of these people that over that take over responsibility for things that happen to us. And we attribute to ourselves certain values or shames that prevent us from moving forward. And when we can see that and really take accountability for that, it, it can be super helpful in propelling us forward in making changes and corrections and getting out of those particular mindsets. Mm, I like that, Lisa. Uh, very, very well said. And Janetta, that's, uh, thank you for bringing that point up, is that from, from these self-sabotaging thoughts we can actually grow because well number one the awareness is the key to be aware of something and awareness comes in different forms a lot of people it, it's not a thought that they have at first it's a feeling it, it's in the body you know perhaps the tightness in the chest something there's an uneasiness and when that happens it's our body's way of saying hey listen um, it's time for you to police your thoughts. There's something that's going on. You're thinking of something, you're feeling uneasy, you're feeling anxious. What are you thinking of? And when you recognize that, when that becomes the, the point in which you recognize, okay, I'm not feeling well, there's a reason for it, is it my thoughts? And if my thoughts are what's causing this discomfort in my body, because I think it was... Um, was it brute? Uh, I, this goes back to, and Robert, you might know this. Um, th there's a saying, and I know martial artists use this, but where the head, where the head goes, the body leads. Uh, it, it's um, it's a principle that's used in the martial arts. Of course, if you if you flip somebody or grab somebody's head and you move them, their body's obviously going to move along with it. But our thoughts also control the feelings in our body. And once we become aware that maybe our body is telling us to police our thoughts, 
that's a good thing. And uh, once we become more aware of this, then we can control that. We can actually, as Janetta says, maybe pick up the phone and, and call somebody and just start a, a dialogue somewhere. So I, I think that's good. Um, anybody else want to add something to this conversation? Hey, bro, I will. Yeah, you know, I, I think you put your finger on something, and I, I think uh, Lisa did as well. I think, you know, it, whenever we're struggling with any kind of uh, either either an intellectual or an emotional uh, challenge, um, some form of sabotage, I, it begins with an awareness. It, it, we have to be aware uh, not only of the problem, but of ourselves and of our biases, because we approach anything in in this life through filters and one of those filters is our own biases and so we will sometimes look at that problem look at that challenge through a lens and through a filter that is biased towards a certain outcome having to step out of ourselves in some fashion a little bit uh, like a sort of a, a a transcendent view and then to look back at ourselves as sort of as an objective in an objective way really helps often to put that challenge and uh, that problem in perspective. Just wanted to add that. Well, thank you, uh, bro. That, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Lisa. I wanted to just add and, and maybe just expand a little bit on some key terms that um, maybe could back up a little bit of what Jeanette's saying as far as how this can be helpful to identify our self-sabotaging ways. Um, and, and a couple of the terms that we, when we sort of overgeneralize or we take on responsibility for things, we get into these habits. And when we can see the habits and stop them, um, we can be extremely helpful to ourselves. So some of those habits and some of this, this shame and over responsibility can lead to a couple of thought processes. One is catastrophizing. So that, that just means that, you know, we're blowing everything maybe just out of proportion. We're making mountains out of molehills when we're, we're looking at sort of the worst case scenario thinking. Another is all or nothing thinking where we just think it's good or it's bad. And we, we don't have the ability to sort of look at the gray area or assign blame to ourselves in that all or nothing way. Um, usually, obviously, when there's conflict with people, I'm one who will say, okay, well, if I've had a conflict with somebody, it's all me, it's all my attitude, it's all my fault. When, you know, clearly it takes two people to be in conflict. And then a magnification of the negative, meaning you know, we really dip into the bad things. And I think habitually as humans, and we've been trained to really look for the negatives instead of looking for the positives. And one thing I really try to do intentionally with my day is as soon as there's a negative that pops into my head, and it can happen with anything, like if I, if I have a broken tile in my bathroom, for example, you know, I'll go to this place sometimes in my head where I'm like, Oof, I just don't like my bathroom at all. I need I need a new tile, but not only do I need a new tile, I need a new sink and I need a new counter and you know nothing nothing is good about it, right? When I'm looking at my bathroom, I go, "Oh, I really love the comfortable space that I'm in at this time." It it can really switch my mindset and then that carries over into our 
other parts of my life. And just extending on that, we minimize the positive. So instead of just, you know, sitting in that area of comfort or that area of joy that we have for the things that we love and hold dear, we minimize them. So as great as they are, we're like, yeah, it's okay. Um, and then, yeah, fortune telling is another one where, um, we attribute our own thoughts and actions to others. So it's, you know, instead of when I'm thinking something is, is my fault because it's something that I've done, we're actually assuming a thought from another person, meaning, you know, if it's something that I've done wrong, I am imagining that that other person is judging me for something, which potentially could not even be true. I think all of this stuff speaks to the ego, right? And sometimes I laugh at myself. And when I remind myself that not everybody cares what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and how I am. And uh, sometimes I just, I feel like, you know, I think it's a human condition to really feel like things are all about us. So, um, yeah, I just want to expand on that. I hope you find it helpful. Yeah, I say everything that Lisa said. Um, I don't know how to put myself back in the audience again. Oops, I was uh, I was speaking with, uh, with my mic muted. Uh, we'll send you back. Uh, but Janetta, thank you very much for that conversation. Going to make uh, or move you back. And uh, Tazy, thank you. And we have Dr. Norman, who has uh, joined us, and, uh, and Jacqueline. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to Dr. Norman for an introduction and uh, over to Jacqueline afterwards. Hello. Hi, how are you today? It's good to be here. I'm sorry I'm late. I was seeing a patient. I'm so happy to be here and uh, to do what I can to pour in as well as learn uh, from everyone in the room. I'm a, a, a clinical psychologist. I specialize in trauma and bereavement, end of life issues. And uh, I, I, I so look forward to my Saturday mornings with all of you. You teach me as much as I hope to teach you. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Norman, and you always uh, bring such beautiful uh, words and value to this room, so we so appreciate you. Thanks for being here. And uh, Jacqueline, over to you. Good morning, everyone. I apologize, too. I had a work call uh, for being late. So good to see so many friends here today. Daisy and Marae, um, everybody's here today. Uh, my name is Jacqueline Way. I am the founder of 365 Give. I'm a run a charitable organization with the sole purpose of spreading love in the world. So I'm so happy to be here with everyone and um, all my friends here on stage. So good to see you and look forward to doing the same, learning and growing together. Um, I want to give uh, Dr. Norman a little shout out today too. Um, I had the wonderful um, gift of waking up to him on my Instagram this morning with a really inspiring conversation he did, and I encourage everyone to go and look at it. He did a Instagram live yesterday about trauma response, and I think that it was really valuable. So I just wanted to give you a little shout out this morning, my friend, um, and thank you for doing that conversation. Jacqueline, thank you so much. I, I will be very honest with you. I do this every Friday with Liz Giles. It's really called, it's called In Session with Liz and Dr. Norman. We did talk about Will Smith and anger management yesterday. Um, I, I'm a little insecure because I'm not really comfortable doing a whole hour of talk, but I'm grateful that you found it helpful and I'll continue. Thanks. 
You know, I think that's amazing. Uh, and uh, th there's a topic about anger management uh, that we can get into at some point. But uh, it's been an interesting week for sure in the news and just taking a look at how how somebody can fall from grace uh, so very, very quickly. And it's a reminder, I think, to all of us that uh, we can we can do the right thing always, but when we do something that is not right, that's what we can be remembered for for so long. And so being self-aware and just uh, being in control of our, of our behavior is so, uh, so vital. And so thank you uh, for that. And uh, yes, Dr. Norman always has great videos. So anybody who's not following Dr. Norman, just check out his uh, Instagram. Do that for everybody here on stage. I have some great moderators here. Make sure that you give them a follow and just check out, as uh, King always says, check out their uh, their Instagram, their bios, and, and just uh, if they resonate with you, uh, follow them on Instagram as well. And so King, I'm gonna turn it over to you because you were talking about bringing a topic up. I, I believe that that was it. So I'm gonna turn it over to you. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, I thought something we could uh, sort of discuss today because um, is just the, the, the idea of perfectionism as a uh, sort of a saboteur, I guess, um, in self-sabotage. Because I do have a friend that, uh, that she, she, she identifies herself as a perfectionist, but I'm not so sure sometimes whether or not that's the most accurate definition for her, but it definitely does. She uses it um, as an excuse sometimes to not do things that she wants to do because, you know, she hasn't gotten everything perfect. And, um, and I mean, I, I'm not sure how to support her, you, you know, like, cause she has this one project that it's her passion project. It's ready. But she's held on to it for years because she just keeps thinking it's not perfect. It's not perfect. I, you know, there's always improvements to be made. So, I mean, it really, I mean, for me, it, I, I feel sometimes with perfectionism, it's obviously rooted in other things. Uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe they've been hurt in the past. They're just trying to avoid pain or whatever it is. But that's just something that uh, I just kind of thought of as um, whether or not anyone has any thoughts uh, about just generally even like you know you know obviously without specific details you probably can't give anything specific uh, for the situation of my friend but just generally what kinds of supports that people can give to people to friends of theirs who take perfectionism i guess to another level um but also to the level where it actually negatively impacts uh what they um what they want to do or negatively impacts their life so um that was just my uh thought and i'm open to I'm interested to hear what everyone has to say. I like that. Uh, Robert, I'm going to turn it right over to you. Uh, thanks, Paul. Uh, Paul and I sort of, um, without getting into detail, Paul and I have sort of wrestled with this particular question in a uh, project that Paul and I are working on and a third person involved in this, in this project. And um, I'm going to start by saying perfectionism kills. I think that's that's what what I've come to. Perfectionism kills. It it kills uh, as as King alluded to. It it can kill a project, but more than that, it can kill relationships, which is sad. Um, and and you know again, I have to defer to the uh, psychologist in 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 the room, and I'd be very anxious to hear what they have to say. I think my what I wanted to bring up was the fact that it's very real. Uh, perfectionism is, in fact, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad, uh, King, you brought that topic up. It is something that holds so many people back. When when we are perfectionists, when we know people who are perfectionists, it holds everybody back in a project. It, it sabotages 
the project. It sabotages everyone. And I guess the what, what I've tried to do with um, people who are perfectionists, uh, acknowledging that it may come from some kind of deep-seated insecurity or, or something else, and again, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't assess that, but is to try to remind them of Pareto's law. Uh, for those of you who don't know Pareto's law, that's the 80-20 rule. Uh, that 80% of results, you know, uh, often uh, require 20% of effort. You know, I've sort of, for my own standard of of performance, um, is that I subscribe to a 90-10 rule. But still, I, I think the idea of trying to get to that 100% is, to, is that last 10 to 20% is what kills us. So just thought I would add that and try to stimulate a bit of conversation uh, uh, with that. So back over to you, Paul. Thank you for bringing that up, Robert, because I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's so true. Uh, just seeking that perfectionism maybe is, and, and I'm inviting anybody, uh, my moderators, to add to this, but it may be the avoidance of, uh, of looking bad or um, not being able to complete it. I, I, you know, I, I have so many thoughts on this, but I'm, I'm not going to uh, hog the microphone. Does anybody have anything that they'd like to add? Because uh, for your friend, King... I, I do believe that that will hold uh, him or her back from actually doing what it is that they're passionate about because maybe it's fear. They're uh, fearing that they're not going to be received well. Um, whatever it is, Jacqueline, I, I'd love to turn it over to you. Yeah, um, I'm happy to hop in on this one. You know, it's, it's really interesting and I'm gonna be really honest with everybody. I have had the struggle at different times and well, we can't hear you, Jacqueline. Is it just me or does Jacqueline to how we feel? Oh, there we go. Oh, am I in the okay. matrix? You were in the that? matrix, yeah. Let's try that over again. I'll go we'll do a redo. Sorry about that. Um, hold on. I'm just going to change some settings on my phone. That might help a little bit. Is that a bit better? Are we coming through clear? Yes. Yep. Much better. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to share, and this is an experience that I have had myself, uh, in my life, um, where a lot of times the work or trying to step forward in a new project. I mean, having a charity was not something I personally planned to do in my lifetime. Um, and I find that the struggles of me not doing it well enough, not being big enough, not going global enough, you know, all of those things really comes back to my fear of how others perceive me, my fear of how others look at the work that I do in, in the world, and which ultimately comes back to I'm not enough. And I've had to spend a lot of time on this, understanding this for myself, that in that, in me not feeling like enough, it affects everything around my own life and my own world. It affects my work, it affects my relationships. So when we go back to going, when we feel like we're not enough or the work that we're doing or the project that we're not doing is good enough, I think we really need to keep going back to what is that telling me about myself? And where is that feel lying? Who, who is anyone to judge what's good enough for me or my life? And where have those programs been set in me from not only right now 
in this moment in my life, but where have those programs come back from my childhood? Maybe my parents said to me, I wasn't enough or I wasn't good enough. So we can look at this as a life lesson for ourselves. When we don't think our project is good enough, I think we have to look at the bigger picture of how are we actually feeling about ourselves and the work that we do. Because I know when I'm getting stuck there, it's a complete reflection of where I am in my own life and how I'm feeling about myself. And then how can I take, start to take just one step forward? Sometimes, especially with new work projects, it's you want to go from point A to point Z, like the first time you launch your project. And instead, you have to realize it's every single alphabet in the lever in the, in, in the alphabet that you have to take. It's one step at a time to actually get to Z and to become potentially the big project that you want it to become or to bring revenue stream in, whatever that is. But I always go back to my main thing is how am I feeling like not enough in the world? It's my own self-sabotage. Yeah. And you know, this is, this is a great topic. Thanks for bringing it up King, because yes, that fear of, I think it comes down to fear of judgment. A lot of it is it may come down to fear of judgment. We're we're afraid of what other people may think. The project that my brother is talking about was one that I have worked on uh, with someone, and regrettably, um, he was so much of a perfectionist that it, uh, it it kept the project back, and I had to let him go. And uh, the project is is moving actually forward, and it's it's really taking on a life of its own. Uh, regrettably, without him, because he wasn't ready to move beyond his his reach for perfectionism from my own experience uh, i'm bringing it forward but even the book take control of your life the one that i wrote and dr norman you may have something to add to this but i remember writing it and at first not being committed to the project because i didn't want to write a book in the first place but then when i i realized and i i said okay I am an author. I am going to write this. So I labeled myself as an author, and that's when I started to actually uh, become serious about writing this book. Once it was written, it was about a month. I would go back to it every day, and I would look for one or two words that I might be able to change to make it that much better. And I realized after that month of going back to it over and over and reading the book to the point where I didn't want to read it anymore, that it was never going to get off my pages to the shelf if I was going to take that attitude of being so perfect that I can't put it out there. And eventually I had to let it go. And I think that that's what we must do. And, and so what advice can we possibly give to someone whose, whose idea of being a perfectionist may be one of fear of judgment or just, uh, yeah, it, it, Anybody got a Dr. Norman, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd love to speak about this. Um, King, you alluded to it and Robert, you did as well. And of course, Jacqueline, you understand this. Um, the idea of perfectionism in adults, the adult personality style of perfectionism is formed in an environment of oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes formed in an environment at childhood of coercive control or trauma. And what happens is that we as survivors are left with this problem that we have a hard time trusting ourselves, being autonomous, and really utilizing our own initiative. 
And what I often say is that repetition is the unspoken language of the hurt child. And what happens to us is that we repeat and repeat and repeat before we actually send our project off into the world. We idealize the outcome, right? We think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a bestseller. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be on the shows. And we idealize our outcome. But when we do that, we, we actually are keeping at bay the constant fear that we're being, that we'll be betrayed, insulted, judged, or rejected, as you say so well, Paul. We venerate our own self-value, and then we denigrate our own value. These are unconscious distortions. And the way they're corrected, Paul, is through faith in a higher power, through an intense inventory of your own personal greatness, and through an ability to silence the voices that are no longer serving you because you are now an independent, autonomous, beautiful adult. We must remember that. And sometimes quick and dirty is better than slow and perfect because it'll never get done. And that's how I've finished all of my projects. I continue to silence the voice of my father who says, you can't do this. And instead I say, oh really? Watch me fly. <laughs> I love that. I love that very, very much. Wow. Um, Eleni, did you want to add something? Yeah, you know, we really, it's about standing in our worth and know that magic is everywhere. And if you don't actually step into that and just think, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy this project. I'm going to give it my best. If it comes off great, if it doesn't, who cares? At least I'm learning something valuable about standing in my worth. Because, you know, life is all about risk. And if you don't face that risk or take it, walk into that fear and face it, then you get stuck. And then you start looking at yourself and then you start picking. And really, that's a place where it doesn't work for you. So sometimes what works as a child really doesn't work as an adult. So it's about knowing that all the battles that you faced, it's by standing in your worth that you've been able to win them. So I think magic is everywhere. Stand in whatever you want to achieve, enjoy it, give it your best, and know that from it you will receive many blessings of knowledge. Thank you, Eleni. Um, King, over to you. Yeah, thank you uh, so much um, to everyone who's uh, added. I'm going to add a few more layers to this um, uh, situation, just maybe um, that it might help someone else in the audience as well. Because with my friend as well, she definitely, she, she grew up in an environment, I feel, where it wasn't good for her to fail. And I think that obviously adds to a lot of the perfectionism. And what I mean is that her parents are very traditional and strict and, you know, had very, very high expectations for her. And um, so obviously, as a child, you want to please your parents. And so it was one of those things where I think she, you know, just got it in her mind that she can't fail. Otherwise, her parents would be disappointed in her. And also, um, she still, I mean, even as an adult today, she still obviously, she still does look for her parents' approval, whether she knows it or not. Like, you know, there it's, you know, obviously there are times when she is frustrated with it and uh, she kind of ignores them. But for the most part, I can tell, like, it's, you know, it definitely does guide a lot of the things that she do, she does. And so I just don't know whether or not, um, is it helpful 
for the like she might never realize it herself as much as she sort of obviously is cognizant of the fact that she does want to please her parents i don't know if she even realizes that how much so she does and how much that might actually factor into some of those perfectionistic tendencies that she has where in her mind she feels you know she needs to be perfect she needs to be the best she can't fail it's not okay to not do you know well or 100 percent so um so i thought just add those layers into it as well just to see whether or not um there's something in there that can that uh, that you guys can impact and uh, add to it and i'm sure you know people in the audience probably will have some of those similar situations too so hopefully that helps Jean-Paul, I'm going to turn it over to you and then over to uh, Jacqueline, I believe. So, Jean-Paul? Certainly. Um, from what you have shared, King, uh, definitely the deep work is the work that Dr. Norman is talking about. It's really that research, the, you know, the questioning of the idealization of the outcome, you know, recognizing that fear. Um, like, if you're, if you're trying to be perfect, you're trying to be perfect for who? Like, what is your criteria of perfection and what is it going to provide you? And the moment they start setting out those list of criteria, it will inevitably come back to an authority figure in the past that they have not put off the pedestal. And in my observation with my, uh, you know, entrepreneurs is that there's a desire for love behind that. I need to be perfect so that I can be loved. That comes out, you know, this idea that, if that authority figure doesn't love me, that means I'm not enough. These are all the other consequences that goes around it. So that's the first part. Doing the deep work will really transform that part and stop the perfectionist behaviors. Like they would take multiple forms. <clears throat> but unless you have access to that, uh, an alternative way is to help the person consider that they're actually doing experiments because they're looking for an outcome. It's idealized, but they don't know if they're journeying there, if they're getting any closer to that, if they're moving forward to that. So reframing their line of work as like a research project that you're prototyping at the moment and you're trying to get <clears throat> information to go in that direction of that idealization can allow them to absorb the idea and transform the idea of failure to simply an experiment to learn from. So this is a reframe. It doesn't tap on the core root, but it might be able to work it around so that they're not saying, no, you know, you're, you're writing this book, uh, you're doing it, let's get it out there to a small group of people and see what happens there. And so, you know, it's to get like external feedback so you're not like out on publishing the entire thing yet, but you are getting external feedback from a small group of people, maybe 10, 20, 30. And just that as an experiment can give them some information to get closer to what they're consciously trying to accomplish. And that can help them move the needle forward to actually get it done. Because at one point, the experiment will be good enough in their eyes then people's feedback will be powerful enough for them to fully push it out there because now there's a social traction on it and we're using social pressure to get them to act upon that. So that's the motivational way that may help perfectionists if they're not willing to do the deeper emotional work. 
This is John Paul. I'm complete. Thank you, Jean Paul. What a great conversation. Uh, do does anyone have anything else you'd like to add to this? Because it is something that a lot of people battle with, and I know King, uh, you you've been trying to coach and help uh, this uh, this woman uh, to uh, to get beyond that and just to step into her greatness, which I, I think she really struggles with. Um, anybody else want to add something to the conversation? That's a you know it, it I. I do believe that a lot of it, as uh, Dr. Norman um, alluded to, and, and so did others, is uh, you know the things that were told to us in the past. And again, those things can stick with us unless we challenge them. You can't do it. You possibly can't. And I love what Dr. Norman said. Hey, just watch me. Uh, just you know the, the judgment, the fear of judgment. We've got to get beyond that because we are just as worthy as anyone else to step into our greatness. And so I, I just absolutely love that. All right, so uh, we're going to move on, and uh, I think we're going to turn uh, the microphone over to Murray, I see, who has joined us. And before we do, I just want to draw, uh, Murray, before we do, I just want to draw everybody's attention uh, to the book that was, uh, that was just published up there uh, on our site here. It's A Heart of Wisdom, and that is written by Dr. Norman, and you'll see that the uh, there's a painting uh, on the on the on the cover of that and that was done by our one and only eleni so uh, we've got two powerhouses in this room and that book is uh, I've, I've read it it's amazing i have it and um, yes uh, so uh, make sure that you check that out and uh, over to Murray. welcome Murray. well good morning everybody i uh <laughs> of course i have the book it's right here in front of me and and what I do is every day um, I do a reading of it, um, of a page, and I do it out loud because being an actor, uh, we should really, for our craft, read out loud every day. So I read a chapter uh, every day. And he, uh, Dr. Norman has made it very, very simple and pointed and to the point. And, and I, I do love the artwork in front. I wasn't going to speak. I had no intention. But, you know, wherever my friend Jacqueline goes, you know, I'm there. And plus, I love this room. I I look forward to this room on Saturday if I can make it. And I'm recouping from a a lovely, um, magnificent, I'm I'm blessing it. Um, Shingles, hello. But fortunately, I had both shots. So I'm recouping and um, getting a lot of uh, mental work done and everything. And... uh, it's actually, uh, it's, uh, I'm not going to be negative about it because I can look at what good it has brought me. And it's, it's got me to do some of my homework that I wanted to do. But onto the subject, I wish, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't going to join in. But, and I wish Glenn were here because I would give anything to hear what he says because he's in the same profession that I'm in. Um, we actors, wow, uh, perfectionism. And I am, I think I'm a healthy perfectionist. I dot my I's and I cross my T's. And uh, I had a, a play that I wrote, a 20-minute play that was in a festival, two character, and it took me nine months to do it. And that wasn't out of perfectionism that was improving and and layering and i was under the um i was under a marvelous marvelous director 
and writer. In fact, I went to his big screening last week. And I would present it on stage and he'd say, okay, Mare, go back and da, 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 da. And you know, and because uh, I'm not a writer, I write a lot, but I'm not a writer like uh, you are, Paul, and, uh, and, and Dr. Norman. No, but I do write. So I would go back and do it. And when I started, when I really felt, yeah, this is it, I was able, and it, for me, it's a process of letting go. And I knew I was done. So I went back and he said, I, I looked at him and I said, you know, uh, Isa, I think, I think we're done. And so I'm able to do that. He said, yes, we are. And it went on to being very successful. And I still have it that I may want to do a short, do a short film. I don't know yet, but also actors and I hear and read so much. And Paul, I'm sure that you can relate to this. When we do our self tapes and the casting director said, oh my God, you know, you people, you're overthinking, you're overthinking, you're overthinking. And that's what so many actors are. So my rule is, how do I feel about it? Did I, first off, did I do my prep work? Did I do my homework? Am I accountable? And the answer is, for me, because I take what I do seriously, yes. Okay, there you go. All right, let's put it on tape. My friend comes over, we put it on tape. And how did I feel about that first tape? No, this didn't quite feel right. And that's, for me, that's not perfectionism. That's being aware of my craft. And then I said, we would do it again. And I would say, I've never done more than three takes, but I know some actors because they come over here and I, I don't charge them because, you know, that's a gift that I give of myself to help them. Oh my God. They go on and on, you know, and I don't want to say too much. It's not my job. I'm not being no, I, you, you know what, Murray, I'm just going to cut um, in just a bit here because I know exactly what you're talking about. Great. And, Thank you. Yeah. And, and King has been my reader on several occasions. Oh. Uh, and it's a matter of, it really is letting go and yes. uh, and not judging yourself too much. And in the acting world, if there's any actors in the audience, in the acting world, we don't know exactly what the director uh, is looking for. And right. so if we give it our best performance right. and just say, this is who I am and this is what I bring to the script. Yes. And just let it go. I love what you said about letting go. Yes, Because you do you. have to let it go. If you, if you, you, if you satisfy yourself right. uh, that you've done the very best that you possibly can and here it is, um, yes. that's great. And, and Jacqueline, um, I'd love your comments on this. Yes. And also, Paul, thank you for saying that because it validates who we are and it also lets us know we, we don't have a situation with sabotaging ourselves and um, you know being so exact. We don't have that, and 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 I I feel I'm very healthy in that area, and that's that's uh, my barometer how I can tell where I'm at. But thank you for saying You're that. You're welcome, Murray. I'm gonna uh, turn it over to Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Thanks, Paul. Hello, Murray. So nice to have you with us this morning, my friend. You always help us, you know, just bring the conversation forward a little more. And, you know, in this word that we've been talking about this morning, perfect. And it's such a fascinating word to me. And sometimes I just look up 
definitions just because I'm curious um, what it means. And I had this conversation with some people over the word worried yesterday. So it inspired me to look up what perfect, you know, what that definition actually is. And the definition is to make something completely free from faults or defects or as close to that condition as possible. And the really fascinating thing for me is when we talk about something as perfect and, you know, trying to get as close to that as possible is I want to know who has the master stick on what that is for any situation. So Marie, for you in the acting world does, you know, as close to perfect as possible in whose eyes is that? Because what we know in the human experience is that everyone's perception is completely different. Every single human being based on how, where, why, everything about their experience from the time they were born, even before to where they are right now, we have a different perception. And so what you think is perfect and what I think is perfect is so completely different, yet we, we hold ourselves hostage to that invisible measuring stick that isn't there. And so we can keep striving, we can keep moving, we can keep getting better at a craft that we do. But at what point do we also look at how are we viewing ourselves in that invisible measuring stick that actually doesn't even exist for any one of us? So I just wanted to put that idea yeah. out there for everyone. Yeah, and what I, what I say to myself, like my, my favorite book, The Four Agreements, did I do my best? And if I answer that, I say, great, Maure, you did your best. Now, friggin' let go and move on. That's what well, I say, Paul. <laughs> and that's, and, and that is the big, big key is just move on, let it go, let it take a life of its own. Robert, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I, I thought I might, uh, I might weigh in a little bit here. Um, based on the entertainment uh, world that I live in, what I do. By day, as you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I've been doing that for a long time. For the last 10 or so years, I've also been an entertainer, a mentalist. And if you've followed America's Got Talent, a mentalist is someone that um, reads people's minds. This creates the illusion of reading people's minds, to be quite clear. Everything I do, I do within the laws of science. But when I'm out there, I've, I've, I've performed in, in, in uh, Las Vegas and New York and Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. When I'm on stage and I'm, I'm trying to read someone's thoughts, the difference between reading a person's mind and their thoughts, um, I've got no, <laughs> I've got no uh, safety net under me. I mean, this is happening in live. It's real time. I don't have, I don't get to do two or three or four takes. I'm, I'm there. I'm being, I'm being judged. I'm being seen at that moment. And so this notion that Dr. Norman talked about, just let it go and let it fly. That's kind of been my modus operandi. I think we have to do that. If we have developed ourselves to the point where we developed our skills, our crafts, our knowledge, we have developed a confidence in ourselves. We believe in ourselves um, and we're willing to put ourselves out there. Once we've taken that step, then it's a question of just, yeah, just letting go and, and flying. And uh, I think that's how we overcome it. At least that, that's how I overcome it. And uh, I'll turn it back over to Paul. Robert, I wanted to jump in and just say something. And I absolutely agree with you. 
I want to be careful though. I didn't say, let it fly. I said, watch me fly. And there's a distinction in the discernment of those two pronouns. I'm not, I'm not letting it fly. I'm asking my father who imparted shame unto me to watch me fly, which, which means I'm taking back the Okay, um, he received a call, but I love that. Watch me fly. There's a distinction there. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Norman. I'm sorry, did you not hear no, me? No, uh, your phone uh, rang, and, and uh, you were just saying that there's a distinction between watch me fly and uh, and let me fly. So, so go ahead. I'm sorry, I'll say it one more time. When we say let it fly versus watch me fly, we're taking ownership of our own change i'm not telling my father it's 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 this new me is flying i'm saying dad watch me fly and from this perspective i am taking back what was taken away from me at a time when i was helpless and believed things that were not serving me well so when we use the proper pronoun which is i when we invoke the per first person we work harder to actually put the shame somewhere where it no longer assaults us. Mm, thank you. Uh, Robert? Yeah, I'd like to respond to Dr. Norman. I think that's a very valid distinction, uh, Dr. Norman. Um, the context that I'm talking in is not one where um, we're trying to overcome sort of a, a background where someone has been judging you. It's more about this perfectionism uh, business of, you know, how how good do we have to be in order to um, perform, in order to um, realize the, the goal that we have set for ourselves, the objective. In my case, when I'm standing in front of 100, 120 people, and I'm trying to read people's quote minds, uh, again, that's the illusion of reading their minds, but there's a lot of structure that goes into that. But the whole notion is, once I step out there, I've got to let go. I've just got to let go of the fear. I've got to let go of the anxiety. I've got to let go of those voices that say, oh man, you're gonna, you're just gonna miss it this time. And uh, so uh, I think that's the distinction. It's a valid distinction, Dr. Norman, um, but I was addressing a different point. No, I, I'm, I'm completely in, in agreement with you, absolutely. I just think that sometimes when we, we let it go, absolutely. And when we can't let it go, let's think about how we have strengths inside of us that actually can indeed surmount whatever shame we once felt. I think it's, it's a great combination. I love this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Robert, and thank you, Dr. Norman. Uh, Jean-Paul, you wanted to add something to this beautiful conversation. Yes, I would love to this. You know, we've been talking, speaking about you know, giving our best as part of a way of you know, appreciating what we can contribute. Now, linguistically, I found that there's a, common, a few words that we can add to actually add context to the thoughts, because often when we're providing statements, the statement itself linguistically is missing a context element. And so in our emotional body, we react to it as if it is forever and has always been there. But by adding a little space or time context to it, we localize it and create movement and possibility. I remembered having this the first time when I was still a young consultant and you know, the first time that I had the opportunity to introduce and present ideas 
to the board of directors where I was stricken with uh, fear and anxiety. And my senior manager told me, don't worry, you're, you know, you're an expert in your field. So you give the best advice that you can give right here, right now. And that's all we're looking for. And so this idea that you add right here, right now, I'm giving my best today, right here, right now, because your best in 10 years time will, might be better because of the training you have, but you're not there yet. It's about where you are right here, right now. So adding these two words in a spatial context and a time context does add to that ability to let go and recognize that I'm giving my best day. And if my best is, at this level, and compared to others, it's not better. That's okay, too. I've given my best right here, right now. Another piece I would love to add to the conversation is that what we've been speaking about is, I would say, perfectionism from the logical mind where the sensor is, where the judge is held. But there is a sense of perfection from the heart as well. And so the logical mind's perfection is often biased towards one side where we assume that if we get that, everything will be perfect. There is no flaw. There's nothing wrong. There's no negative. It's all positive, all good, all great, all amazing. And that is what perfection is from a logical sensor judging mind. But the heart, our heart's perfection is very different. The Heart's perfection is its ability to appreciate right here, right now, the way it is. It's about acceptance. It's about appreciation. It's about recognizing that there is nothing to change. There may be things to transform, but there's nothing to change right here, right now. And that is a transcendental feeling and experience, a heartfelt sensation of unconditional love. In that moment, we will also use the word Right now, it's perfect. There's nothing to change. There may be things to transform. I have inspiration, aspiration. I have a vision. I have goals. There are transformation I would love to bring into the world. But right here, right now, the moment is perfect. I'm complete. Thank you, Jean-Paul. Uh, yeah, what wonderful different layers to this conversation, King, uh, for your friend. And I, I want to touch on something that uh, Robert um, spoke of as well, is that when you're performing in anything, it is so important that you step out and, as Jean-Paul says, in the moment, just give it your very, very best. Because without doing it, if you are going to wait for that to be perfect, how do you know? Well, number one, we can never be perfect, but how do we know how well it's going to be received without feedback? without experimental, uh, just getting it out there. Uh, because without that feedback, how can there be improvement? And the more that we do something, the better, hopefully, that we get, because we build on that, as Jean-Paul was uh, talking to. And it also builds our confidence. Had uh, Robert, being the mentalist that he is, never stepped onto a stage and never presented his act to anybody, he wouldn't get the feedback wouldn't get fed from the audience to see what works and what doesn't work. And possibly not having uh, that would not uh, help him to improve or to add something 
or just to know what the audience is, is enjoying. We do that as actors as well. And uh, it builds that confidence because if we present something if, or if we wait until we're perfect to present something, we'll never present it. We'll never get that book out. We'll never get that piece of art out. We'll never get that, that play written or that movie written or whatever it is. So there's so much to be said on this topic. Murray, uh, did you want to add something? No, or, or I'm, a, you I'm applauding you. I love what you're saying. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And it's so true because without the feedback, we don't know what to improve or how to improve. And so uh, your friend King is is doing herself uh, an injustice and, and regrettably whatever is holding her back. And I think Dr. Norman touched on it is a lot of it has to do with what what narrative we've had given to us in our past that we just need to get over and say, okay, listen, watch me fly. And I'm going to put myself out there so that I can get the feedback so that I can make the improvements. And imagine this, all of us here on Clubhouse, when we first joined this application, many of us were a little bit intimidated about speaking. And many of us didn't take the microphone for that very reason. Those of us who did realized that the more we took the microphone and spoke, that it was okay. We're going to fumble from time to time, but we are also going to build on the skills of communicating with other people. And if it doesn't go 150,000% perfect, it's okay. We can come back and try again tomorrow. And I think that that's a very big uh, movement there. Um, before we move on uh, to Michelle, I just want to acknowledge that uh, Pete, uh, my good friend Pete, has joined us. And Pete, I'd love to turn the microphone over to you. Uh, you know the conversation that we're having. If you wanted to add something to this conversation, I welcome it. And I also welcome an introduction from you, my good friend. Over to you, Pete. You there, Pete? Maybe not. All right. We'll come back to Pete when he's, uh, when he's here. I want to end this conversation before we, we go on to Michelle by what are some practical steps that King could take to coach this, this person that he's coaching uh, to let go of that perfectionism and just give it a shot, just, you know, move into doing it. I'm thinking of the, of the gentleman that was working with me on a project that Never. Uh, he, he just wasn't able to get over that perfectionism, no matter how much we spoke to him. So are there any thoughts on what we can tell somebody who's being held back by their own thoughts of being too perfect? Any thoughts? All right. Well, I think, um, Jean-Paul, did you uh, want to add something? Yes, I, will, I would love to add to that little question you bring forth, like, you know, in terms of conversation, when we're speaking with someone who is a perfectionist, I think one of the places that we can cover is really diving into the question of the criteria of success and helping them reframe that, soften those, question them to see how, is there any flexibility at all within that to help them soften the criteria that makes it perfect so that it can bring it down to be you know, good enough, high quality enough to be enough to be put out there. And so in the criteria that they will bring out, they probably will share the fears, the concerns, the doubts, and all of that. 
and that is where we can support them, you know, in maybe reframing those, uh, giving examples, have them consider that and be aware and listen to their emotional reaction to those. Because in that space, having the space for them to express those innate emotions that they might not share out loud because they're, you know, too ashamed, uh, too guilty or too fearful to, that does ease the pressure that they have inside and that, that allows them to consider the possibility of actually getting it done. This is Don-Paul complete. Thank you, uh, Jean-Paul. Robert, did you want to add something? Uh, sure. I'll just uh, remind uh, what I said a bit earlier. I think what might help as well is uh, the, this notion of Pareto's law, the 80-20 rule. Um, there's a lot of science behind that. I, I, I remember looking into that a few years ago. There's actually a lot of science into, into the reality of that 80-20 rule or my standard of 90-10. If, if she can be sort of moved just a little bit off of what she believes is, you know, her minimum acceptable standard to maybe an 80-20 or a 90-10, if she can just be moved that little bit, that might be enough just to give her the confidence to move forward. That's all I wanted to add. Thank you, Robert. Okay. Thanks. Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for everyone. Um, one other angle that I've sort of tried to uh, approach it from just because of her particular circumstances, how I was saying that I think some of it obviously um, is affected by how her parents are just have just always been very rigid about um, just perfection, uh, just uh, uh, success, actually, rather than uh, perfectionism, just success, and uh, kind of created an environment where failure wasn't uh, acceptable, is perhaps, you know, trying to make her a little bit more open to the idea that failure is okay. I mean, that, you know, just because you, you know, you don't achieve something, it, 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 the world isn't going to end. And it's one of the, a phrase that's very popular in the software industry is, um, where they, you know, they say, we can't make anything fail safe, but we design things to make it safe to fail. And, you know, because once again, nothing is, you know, 100%, nothing is guaranteed. And sort of that's some, at least in her instance, those are some of the things that I've been trying to, you know, once again, just get her comfortable with the idea that, you know what, if it doesn't go well, it's okay. I mean, you know, you'll be able to fix it. The, you know, the world's not going to end. I mean, you know, you know, entire businesses won't crumble over one bad Google review. So that's another sort of avenue that I've gone down as well. So I um, and uh, and yeah, combined with um, everything that you guys have said as well, I think it definitely helps as well. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, King. Uh, I was doing a little bit of uh, research as this conversation was going on. There's a TED Talk on this very topic that you may want to listen to. And if, if it resonates with you, perhaps she would like to watch it as well. And I'm going to go back to the fact that uh, a lot of us uh, fear the judgment of others or we're listening to the judgment of others. And that can keep us in a place of non-growth. And as performers or as anything, if you don't give it a shot, Wayne Gretzky says you always miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So she doesn't step out and and bring this to life. And I, I'm, you know, there's going to be regret. And we've talked about this before, is that at the end of our lives, we do not want to be visited by the ghost of missed opportunities who say, you know what, I gave you an opportunity to, 
to act in a film or to write this or to perform or to do this and you did nothing with it. Take a look at what would have happened had you done this. Regret is something that we don't want to face at the end of our lives. We want to say we lived as much as we possibly could, we had a great ride and we tried everything. I know I try so many different things and had I not, I, I would not have accomplished the things that I have. And I think that that's true of everyone who has, like uh, for example, um, Eleni who has uh, this beautiful, she's, she's a, a, a wonderful painter and, and Dr. Norman is a writer and Robert is a, uh, is a performer and, uh, and so is Murray. And if we don't try these things, we'll never know if they come to life. We need that feedback. We need to get out there. As a speaker, I feel that pressure every time, right before I go and speak in front of an audience, I get that, oh, here I go. Uh, I, I, am I going to do well? And then I have to, to catch that thought before it catches me. And what I mean by that, if it catches me and keeps me down, then I'm going to bring that fear or that reluctance into my performance. And I have to catch that right off the bat. What are you telling yourself here, Paul? Hey, throw that out. You've got this. You, you've got this, you know this, and you, you're good at this. So go on out there and just give it your best shot. And I think that that's what we have to do. We have to challenge those narratives the moment they come in. And your friend, King, um, she's got to challenge those narratives from her past and just give it a shot. Because without giving it a shot, she'll never know. And at the end of her life, she'll regret the things that she didn't do. And that applies to everyone here. If you have something in you, each and every one of you, if you have a song in you that you want to sing, if you want to grab that microphone at karaoke, if you want to write that book, if you want to do that show, whatever it is, how will you know unless you don't give it a shot? And you're always gonna miss if you don't give it a shot. So she's at a standstill right now where if she doesn't take this shot, I see regret in her future. That she, and she probably feels it right now. There's more tension in her life without taking that action than there would be if she took it and got the feedback. And guess what? If she fell on her face, it's okay. Because I love what you said, King about the, the fact that we can fail and most successes in this life, most people who are successes didn't become successes overnight. Those actors, those singers, those performers didn't become that just at a click. It took time and it took feedback and it took that, uh, that testing and just that trial and error and they got back up every time they fell. And I think that that's so true for us to do. So thank you very much for that wonderful conversation. And Murray, for uh, coming up, I'm just going to tuck you gently back into the audience. And I see that Lisa, did you want to add something to that? Yeah, do you mind? I just wanted to um, just elaborate a little bit on your point, Paul. I think that sometimes perfectionist really roots itself in a great fear that we might have disappointing somebody or disappointing somebody else or some our, ourselves. And sometimes when we question the truth of what that looks like and really asking ourselves, okay, so if I fail at this, what does that really mean for me? And if we can get ourselves to a place where we can truly be okay with failing, um, knowing that 
sometimes when we fail, we learn our biggest lessons and we can move on to even greater and bigger things. And the other thing that I, I just wanted to add was, I know when I compare my own self-talk to the talk that I deliver to others, especially when it comes to my kids or my clients, I would never tell my kids or my my clients that, you know, failing is a bad thing. So sometimes if we can dip into our thoughts or dip into the way that we behave with others and start behaving that way toward ourselves, we can dig ourselves out of that a little bit. Mm, I like that, uh, Lisa. Thank you. Oh, what a great conversation, King, that you started. So uh, thank you so much for that. And we're just going to hope uh, that your uh, your coaching client there that uh, you're helping uh, will will see the light and take that that risk because we don't accomplish anything without taking risks and risks are part of life and if we don't seize the moments or seize the things that we want to do they're going to pass us by and we are going to be visited by those ghosts of missed opportunities. So thank you for, for that conversation. Michelle, welcome to the stage, and thank you very much for being so patient. Over to you. You there, Michelle? I am. Thank you so much. It's been a hot minute since I've been here. I really love this room. Hello, everyone. I'm Michelle. I'm a grief and loss mentor as well as a writer. And um, I just wanted to add that, um, you know, this this talk about perfectionism and self-sabotage really hits home. It's something um, it's one of those things where like, I know what to do, but I don't always do it, you know, because old habits die hard no much, no matter how many um, hours of therapy that I've done on myself. Um, and something someone told me once um, really um, hit home and, and helped me at least in that moment, get my butt in gear and um, to get stuff done and out there. One, our gifts are not given to us just for us. We are created for community. We are created for each other. And the gifts that I've been given are not for me to just keep to myself. They're to share. And if I don't do that, someone is going to miss out on what I have to offer. And this really came home to me um, a couple of months ago. I host a regular uh, room on grief and loss. And one week, I couldn't do it the my regular time that I do. Um, I had to move it, and then it ended up getting um, getting rescheduled. And I, I went into a different room the next day um, that was also talking about grief, but it was a completely, completely different topic about it. And a woman came in, and she said, Oh, I'm so glad to have found this room today. I was looking for one last night because I was having a, a, a breakdown. I really needed to talk to somebody. I really needed to listen. And I, it really struck me. I was like, oh, that was around the same time that I would have had my normal room, but I didn't do it. Um, and I thought, wow. And it happened right when I was kind of having one of those um, personal crises where I was like, is what I'm doing really valuable is, is am i offering something that people need um and and hearing that i thought oh there is there are people who would benefit 
from my gift. And when I don't show up, they suffer. And that's not to say that they couldn't find somebody else, but really I'm the only one with my voice. They're not going to, if I don't share that gift, they're not gonna get my unique perspective. And I truly believe that we are all here at this time for a reason. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that things are just random. I'm meant to be here at this time in history, offering what I offer with the gifts that I've been given. Mm, and I uh, focus so much, sorry, I focus so much on the perfection because of my own fears of abandonment. But once I not necessarily let go, because sometimes that, that can be a lifelong process. But once I take myself out of the equation in the sense that, look, don't, don't care what other people think. Do what you are put here to do and let the rest come. And it will. And I'm going to land my plane there. Oh, I like that. And uh, thank you for that, because you brought up a good point. I think it's very, very valid is that we bring something unique because we're all unique people and we just don't know who is going to resonate with us. It may not be, you know, maybe a million people out there, but maybe it's something that we say or something that we do or something that we bring that that one person or that those several people will resonate with. So we are all unique and that's, uh, that's a very, very good point is that we're here for a purpose. And that's to share our talents and ourselves with other people because we are a community of people. Thank you so much for that, Michelle. Really appreciate that. And I'm just going to move you back to the audience because we have one more question that uh, has been asked. Uh, and, and I'm just going to go back into the, the dialogue. What it was was uh, we're going to, what steps can we take to turn things around when we find ourselves spiraling into self-sabotage? So that's a, an extremely uh, wonderful question. So what are some of the steps that we can take when we find ourselves spiraling into self-sabotage? I'm gonna open up the conversation to any one of my moderators who want to start. Anyone? Jacqueline. Uh, sure, I'm happy to hop in. You know, I think, and Dr. Norman talked a little bit about this earlier as well. You know, I think one of the things that we really need to check in on, and this is a bit of the world that I live in with the work that I do is, you know, how are we focusing on our emotions? How are we looking at our happiness levels in our life? Um, the continuity of how we're feeling about ourselves, um, our emotional resilience um, and regulation as well. Um, you know, one of the things I think that really throw us off or when we spiral, um, and especially about ourselves, is when we're spiraling emotionally in our own lives. So what are the things that are you doing to work on your happiness and well-being so that you're in more control, that you're not beating yourself up so much? So, you know, one of the things that we do in our family, my own family, and I have three children with neurodiversities. And I have one son specifically that even at the age of 10, self-sabotage would be his middle name. And so what we do is we work on his regulation 
which is controlling his nervous system. And we work on his happiness because every time this, my little boy smiles, I know he's not beating himself up in one way or another. So our little happiness toolboxes that we have built for ourselves, and we've done this individually in our house, is we look at things like, you know, what can we do? And I don't mean going out and shopping and buying things to make us feel better, but what could we do in our immediate space and place to start to turn things around? So we have music playlists that um, we have created for ourselves. They have them on their iPads. I have them on my phone. We have made sure that our algorithms on YouTube show up with a lot of good things that bring happiness to our lives, things that make us laugh, comedians, funny videos, so that when we need to turn things around and start to regulate, we're making ourselves laugh. Um, I watched a beautiful um, uh, TED Talk this morning about how much laughter can turn things around for us, and not only in... Um, the way that we look at our world, but our emotional state and how it's a beautiful trigger for us to actually turn on our serotonin, uh, which is the chemical reaction of happiness in our bodies. You know, what else can you look at in and around your life? Do you know what brings you happiness in your life so that you're not focusing on what's not good, but you're focusing on the things that truly make you happy? You know, I think a big part of our lives, we spend on worrying so much about what goes on around us. And so when we instead turn our focus to our personal happiness and our well-being, I think we spend a lot less time sabotaging ourselves. And there's the happiness of that little boy in the background right now. So that's one of the things that I personally do so that I stop um, beating myself up about what's not good and instead focusing on the things that make me happy in my own life. Mm. Thank you, Jacqueline. Uh, Robert, um, I know that you had to leave for a moment, but the question is, what are some of the steps that we can take when we find ourselves spiraling into self-sabotage, which is a great conversation? Um, would you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation? Sure. The only, what I would add is, you know, again, I think it begins with believing in ourselves. And I guess we have to get there, you know, not, not realizing that we can't control the expectations of other people that's that's outside of our control you know we can control who we are we can control the effort we put into whatever project we undertake whatever relationship matters to us we can we can control the effort that we put into that and the whole idea here i believe is is to um is to develop that kind of that kind of confidence uh, a self-confidence that enables us to say okay you know it really doesn't matter at the end of the day what anyone else thinks of me. I believe in myself. I know that I've worked hard on this. I know that I've developed everything that I can do. I've done everything I can within my power to be the best that I can be, um, given all of my circumstances, my limitations. And so I'm just going to go and do it. And it doesn't really matter to me what other people think because I can't control that. I think that's the only thing I would add to that, bro. Well, thank you, because that's so true. Uh, why worry about what other people think of us? Because they're only going to think about us for a few seconds of their life, and then they're going to worry about themselves. So that's a very, very valid point. What I'd like to do to end the room is just go to uh, Dr. Norman, then Jean-Paul, and Eleni when she's off the phone, and Lisa uh, and King to get your ideas on what steps we can take when we find ourselves spiraling into self-sabotage. Dr. Norman, would you have any, any thoughts on this? Uh, certainly. Thank you, Paul. 
I would I think after listening to all of our beautiful shares, I, I think one of the the takeaways in the aggregate is that when we um, do an inventory of of what makes us really great, when we ask ourselves, who am I when I'm at my best, when we really work towards self-love, we will find ourselves not sabotaging as much. I, I have always felt and believed that the the sabotage you speak of, Paul, has its roots in an, in, a, in, in a time when we as children were helpless and made to feel things and for things that were done to us, not things that we do, were done by us. So please silence those voices that are saying, I'm not good enough. And sabotage will become a part of your history, not a part of your roadmap. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Yeah, silence the voices is so important. Jean-Paul? One tool that I'd love to use on that is I'm actually looking at the deeper intention, really asking that the self-sabotaging behavior that you had, uh, what did I do it for? What is it for? Because if I'm doing it, there's a purpose there that is innate underneath. It's not aligned with the outcomes that I want, but unless I gain clarity with what it is, I cannot guide that back. It's just like when you're on the road somewhere and you don't know where you're going and you said, I want to go to LA, then it's very hard to know how, what I can adjust to go to LA if I don't know the direction of the road I am on. And so by looking into what am I doing this for and connecting to the unconscious direction that is that, that protection, that is peace, with that awareness, I can then find strategies to adjust and nudge myself back to the destination that I really want to go towards. So that's my invitation to look for. What am I doing this behavior for? This is Jean-Paul Young Complete. I like that, Jean-Paul. Thank you so much. Uh, so true. If we don't know which direction we're going in, how are we going to get there? And we have to make adjustments uh, from time to time. And uh, those adjustments are improvements because they help us to get to where we want to be. Lisa, over to you. I would add that um, along with self-awareness, once you have that self-awareness and you've identified what's triggering you into those types of behaviors or, you know, what the underlying causes are, talking about them and making other people around you understand some of your behaviors and seeking support to overcome some of those things, I think would be very, very important. So to build yourself a network of people that are going to lift you up and if necessary, get some professional guidance or support to help you along that journey. Very true. Yes. Um, sometimes a coach is all you need because they can encourage you and help you to get on the right path. And uh, finding the right coach is so important. I think we all need coaches in our lives. Robert, did you want to add something uh, more? Uh, we're going to oh, go over to... Yeah. Sorry? I think, I, I think I've probably said everything I, I need to say on that, on that topic. Just the bottom line is, uh, you know, again, self-awareness and self-confidence, developing that confidence in ourselves. I think just believing in ourselves to me is the key. So true. King? Thanks, Paul. Um, I definitely know something that helps for me is to just try to focus first on the things that I 
actually have control over or things that I can actually uh, affect. Because oftentimes I do, you know, we sort of start looking at things in the past and in the future. And, you know, there, those are things that we don't have immediate control over. And so I, I just find it does help for me to just focus on the things that I immediately have control over and then kind of work my way from there. And one of the handy tips that I, uh, for me to know whether or not, because we don't always realize if we're focusing on something in the past or future or wherever we are, is for me, I know that if it's something I'm regretting, chances are it's something in the past. If it's something I'm worried about, I'm probably living in the future. So that's kind of a way for me to kind of guide myself and to keep myself planted in the here and now on and on the things that I can immediately affect change onto um, and then uh, take myself from there. So uh, that's me. Uh, over to you, Paul. I like that. Yes, uh, this moment is the most important moment of our lives. We get to choose how we respond, how we feel, how what we say, and who we um, share our time with. So I have a couple of ideas on this. Uh, how, d when we recognize that we're involved in self-sabotage, how do we get ourselves from spiraling down? Well, let's go to, let's go to the start of our day. Why don't we start our day off intentionally? And what I mean by that is the moment that you wake up, those first few moments where before you reach over for your phone or grab that first cup of coffee, or as you're grabbing that first cup of coffee, why not take an inventory of the things that you are grateful for? Just take a few moments to, to, to bless your day by saying, I'm so grateful that I'm here. Number one, I woke up. Number two, I have a roof over my head. When we take a look at, at some of the devastations that are happening across the globe right now, we have so much to be grateful for. Why not take a few moments at the beginning of our day to take an account of the things that we're grateful for, the relationships that we have, our health, whatever it is that you have. Be grateful for that. Then set your intention. To use mantras. Today is going to be a great day. And speak to yourself in the third person. For example, I might look at myself and say, Paul, today is going to be a fantastic day. You're not going to fall into self-sabotage. You deserve to be here. You're worthy. Nobody in this life is worthy more than you of success, love, happiness. And happiness, Jacqueline had this beautiful room along with Dr. Roshanak about the topic of happiness. Happiness is not something that is given to us. It's something that we create. We create happiness from within. It's not from the external things. We have to remind ourselves of this. One of the important things is that we have to continuously police our thoughts and examine our narrative. Is our narrative outdated? As King alluded to just a few moments ago, the past is in the past. And we may have grown from the past, and some of the things may have happened to us, but we also have to look at those things that have happened to us in the past and ask ourselves, did that also happen for us? And more often than not, we might be able to find that some of the difficult things that we went through actually helped to shape the person that we are today or to deal with some of the things that happened to us now. And I know speaking from my own past, and I won't go into it, but I am the person I am here today because of some of the shit that I went through when I was younger. And some of those terrible things that I went through shaped me into the person I am today. So that not only happened to me, it happened for me. Examine your own life. 
when you have gone through, perhaps it was a divorce, a separation, whatever it is, maybe you were abused, take a look at that and take a real good look at it and say, did I, did I get strengthened by this or did this happen for me? Is there something that I can take away from this? And more often than not, you're going to see that there is something that you can take from that. So start your day off with gratitude Start your day off intentionally. Give yourself those mantras. And from time to time, when you feel the stresses, is that you get to choose your attitude. It's like walking into the closet of your mind before you put on your clothes. You walk into the closet of your mind. On the one side of your closet, I'm going to give you a visual here. We've got two closets. On the one side of our mind is this really dark closet. You don't want to open that door. It has shame, regret. It has all those things that have hurt you and that have kept you back. And you don't want to open that and go in and pick something to wear there. Because if you do, it's going to mess up your day. What you want to do is you want to go to the other side, that closet that is a brilliant closet of love, hope, servitude, and just choose that attitude to wear in the day so you get to choose and choice is such a big thing not everything that has happened to us is bad and not everything that's going to happen to us is going to be bad we get to decide that and nobody nobody can make you feel bad nobody can steal your heart hurt you break your heart nobody can break your heart you've gone through a relationship and you feel, oh, that person broke my heart, you're lying. That person didn't break your heart. You broke your heart. If somebody abused you, you don't give them the power and control over you now. You take that power and control back. And this is what I used to discuss with victims of crime, of sexual uh, crime, of abuse. I used to say, guess what? That power and control was never taken away from you. It was only displaced and you get, to, you get to wear it back. You get to grab it and put it to the forefront. So what are you telling yourself about yourself? Does it need to change? Are you saying something negative to yourself that needs to be challenged and needs to be corrected? As Paul said, it, it, when we have that map and we know where we want to be, we have to make those adjustments. We have to take those turns and we have to get there. And we're gonna be off track from time to time, but we have to get back on track. A plane doesn't leave from, for example, London, England to get to Toronto, Canada and stay on a straight line. It's going to be off course, but the pilots know that they have to get back on course in order to get to where they wanna be. Where do we wanna be? At the end of this life, we want to have lived a fulfilled, wonderful, happy life. And that nobody gives to us. We give that gift to ourselves. Nobody can give you happiness. That has to be created from within. Nobody can make you feel a particular way unless you give them the power to. And if you turn your power over to somebody else, you're doing yourself an injustice. So those are my thoughts, my closing thoughts on this topic. And I could go on, as you know, for hours on this because I'm so passionate about it, but I'm not going to. I want to thank each and every one of my moderators who have joined me today and who have added to this rich conversation. And thank you so much. And to everyone who's come on stage to speak, thank you so very much. You know, we, we, 
sometimes feel that we're being vulnerable by sharing our stories. And a lot of people think that vulnerability is a dark emotion because a lot of people associate that pain and regret and failure to, to their experiences. But vulnerability is actually a gateway. It's a gateway to relationships and love. It really, when we share our stories, and it was one of the speakers who came up uh, and said that it is so important to share our stories with other people because it can give them the strength of knowing that they're not alone in this life. When somebody says, hey, I was through this and this is how I got through it, somebody might say, oh my goodness, I'm not alone? You mean I'm not the only one feeling this way or who's struggling with this? It's no. Vulnerability is that gateway, folks. So be more vulnerable. Share your stories and just support each other. The great Leonard Cohen, who wrote the, the song Hallelujah, he passed away a few years back, but everybody, pretty much everybody knows that beautiful song Hallelujah. And he wrote another song called Anthem back in the 90s. And there's one lyric in that song that resonated with me. He said, there's a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets through. And we have all suffered our cracks, and some of us have suffered our breaks. But it's with those cracks and breaks that light gets to shine in us, and we also have a light within each and every one of us that we can shine into the cracks and breaks of others. And if we don't share our experiences and our knowledge and our gifts with others, we're just robbing others, and we're robbing ourselves. So thank you so very much, everybody, for being here. And for everybody who has been in the audience listening to this conversation, I thank you for the non-refundable gift of your time. And without you, we wouldn't have a room. So thank you, everyone. I think uh, what we would do is just uh, unmute, and I'll uh, count us down to, uh, to end the room. So let's say our goodbyes, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everyone. Have a beautiful weekend. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for being great here. Be well. Thank you, Have everybody. Have a blessed weekend, everybody. Five, four, three, two, one. See you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.